So, to introduce everybody, uh, welcome to the 54 Podcast. Uh, in a couple seconds, I'm going to introduce you to all your guests that you are watching today. Um, but right now, let's jump right into it. Live from New York, it's unfortunately us. All right, everybody, welcome to the 54 Podcast. Today we have Brandon Medina, filmmaker, cosplayer, and everything in between. Um, and we have Albert Munoz, filmmaker, actor, cosplayer, and everything in between. Um, so basically today I was thinking we could have a little bit of a relaxed conversation with uh, some fellow filmmakers that I know um, and some of the best that I know. Um, I've seen Brandon, uh, not many people know this, but has garnered over 1.6 million views on his Spider-Man sequel fan film that he made, which is fantastic. I'm proud of him, and that's a phenomenal uh, job that he did. Um, Albert obviously was included in all those projects, um, including the fact that he voiced Mysterio mm-hmm. um, in the Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2. And I'm sure you played other roles that I can't seem to remember at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I play a lot. I don't think I can remember all of them on the top of my head. Yeah, you you were like uh, you're like one of the character actors, and you could jump between different characters really quickly, which I enjoy. I enjoy that. So and I, I I always just joke about it, like have a drinking game is every time you spot me on screen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's. Let's just jump right in here. So, um, Albert, you know, you can help uh, Brandon out with any of his questions because basically these kind of, you know, relate back to you any fucking way. So um, let's get to it. So one of the things I wanted to ask you guys uh, was what are your upcoming films? Um, Specifically you, Brandon, what are your upcoming films? Um, How do you plan on working on them over the next, over the whole pandemic period? And, uh, and yeah. Go ahead, you know. Well, um, currently I'm editing uh, the Miles movie, which is Spider-Man Ultimate Fallout. That mm-hmm. should be coming out, I would say, sometime around December. I'm trying to edit it right now. I would say I'm at least 85% done, but I need some testing and some reshoots. Mm-hmm. So um, when I say testing, I need people mm-hmm. to see the movie, to see if it's good, to see what needs to be fixed, all the little bug and the glitches. And, um, yeah, and for the ad- additional scenes, um, it's just so the film can be more flowy because right now it's a little, let's say there's some rocky parts in the film that are, feels like some certain parts are missing. So right. it's just basically that. And um, as future projects, I plan to do a, a third final Spider-Man movie. And uh, that's about it. I don't want to think too far ahead because that's going to be a big project. Right. Um, which is great because I remember, you know, working on the projects with you and, uh, and I remember, you know, just how, how fun those experiences were. So, I mean, are you doing any, uh, reshoots for ultimate fallout in person? Oh, you're doing reshoots. Okay. So are those taking place during this whole catastrophe or are they taking place? Are you doing them later on? I want to do them later on. I wanted to do them like now, but like it's, it's tough because there's a lot of places that are closed. So. There's so many locations I need to really go to. Like, there's a lot of shots I want to shoot in the city that I feel like needs to be in the movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm hoping, you know, once this blows over, that I can get back into filming and shoot some scenes in New York. Okay. No, that sounds that sounds excellent. Um, what part of New York are you going to be filming in? 
Um, as far as I know, I was in Brooklyn. I was, you know, because it's just the home place for Miles Morales. So I felt like it was fitting for him to like just shoot some scenes, maybe get some stock footage. But um, there's a lot that I wanted to get there. It's fun. I actually, you know, it's funny. I haven't been to Brooklyn. I've been to Tucson, Arizona. I've been to Galapagos in Ecuador. I have never been to Brooklyn. Uh, and I live literally a mile away. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Um, so what were you saying, Albert? I was about to ask, like, how was that like for the whole Galapagos trip? Going to Galapagos? Oh, now it's about me. huh? <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll give you a brief rundown. I went to the islands. Galapagos is fucking beautiful, by the way. Like, there is nothing on this fucking planet, at least from what I've seen, that compares to that. Dude, I swam with a shark, and it was cool. There was no, like, there was no, like, fear. I was just like, yo, that's a shark. And the shark's like, dude, what's up? And I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, it was like, it was cool, you know? I was swimming about, I want to say 15th, because I can't dive. I don't know. I don't know how to, and I'm also like, I guess I just have too much fat. So I can't dive, but I wanted to. I wanted to see the shark closer up or up close because I'm 15 feet above it. It's on the ocean floor. I want to go see it, and it's a little white tip shark. It's swimming on the on like by the sand because that's what it does, and it kind of notices that I'm trying to get closer to it. I'm stalking it. I'm doing its job, and so like it's uh, it's notices me and then immediately goes like it it does the side tail thing and goes away because it notices that I'm getting closer. It was fucking dope. And that same day, within like a 15-minute period, I swam with a penguin as well. It was a Galapagos penguin that had jumped from a cliff and nosedived into the water. And then it looked like a little torpedo swimming through the water. It was, oh, my God. That was fucking amazing. Was it tap dancing and everything, you know? I wish it would have been. That would have been a fucking show. But, no, it wasn't It wasn't doing that. Um, there was an octopus, but I missed it because it, like, blended in with its environment before I saw it. Fucking asshole. <laughs> so you know uh but i love octopuses so that's another plus for me you're know, very delicious right? i will never eat an octopus in my life you guys um, i don't know if you guys know about my rule but i don't eat octopi <laughs> i mean there's calamari do you count that calamari is squid and squid is stupid yeah, no, i was about to say that it's a squid but i mean close enough that's the closest you no, no, squids are stupid animals. They have, <laughs> they're somewhat intelligent. They're somewhat intelligent, but these motherfuckers are so dumb that they've isolated themselves in the darkness, deep, the deep, deep depths of the ocean. They have no, they have no. To me, they don't count. You know, I don't care eating them. But octopuses are smart. They hide in coconuts. That's intelligence, to me. You know, so like I don't, I can't eat it. It just, it makes me feel bad. I think of Oswald the octopus. Every time I see one, I don't know if you remember that cartoon oh. show, but yeah, I do. that was that was amazing. But aside from our my whole octopus defense thing here, my whole speech, um, I was also going to ask you um, what besides the uh, the the Spider Man films and all the fan films you've been working on, um, have you written any like original projects? Have you been thinking about doing any of those? Uh, In fact, it's. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm actually currently writing a comedy, um, romance comedy film. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, right now I got 20 pages of the film so far. It's it's looking pretty good. I just need some, you know, rewrites and stuff, but it, it's looking pretty good so far. I haven't really spoke about this idea, but it's, it's pretty cool. I'm nice. excited. This is the platform for you to, you know, disclose anything you'd like to. Um, yeah. If well, you go ahead. 
Well, I mean, so far, I mean, as far as like disclosing anything, I would say I, I the plot is kind of like it's a reworking idea, but um, it's basically about this um, woman that's been um, terribly abused from her ex-boyfriend and she's trying to run away from him and she finds this stranger and takes this stranger and basically the stranger is like defending her and helping her out trying to get away from her um basically um, ex-boyfriend so throughout the whole you know movie you're basically having them kind of be stuck in this position where she's just using him for protection and he's just trying to get to where he needs to go and through that they fall off okay no that sounds like that sounds like a good story you have um, I think you just spoiled the ending for everybody, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. but I mean, there's going to be some twists in there. No, I'm sure. So I know it's going to be great. I'm sure Albert's going to be in it. Um, yeah, me in one he's going to play every character. Yeah. He plays the chick and the dude. It's amazing. Um, that's, that's honestly a pinnacle of, of filmmaking right there. If you can pull that off, but what should, what call it? Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I've been, uh, I only ask because I've been, you know, working on some original projects myself, and I'm also, you know, wondering what, uh, what people are up to. I've, I've actually been, um, I'm working on a, on this Hispanic film, uh, for Hispanic Film Festival, that I suppose, I basically was given free reign to make it whatever I wanted to be as long as it represented the Hispanic community. And so I decided to, I mean, you guys know Wilson, right? Yeah. So Wilson and I kind of decided to make it uh, slightly based around his his life. As many people may, may know or might not know, Wilson has cystic fibrosis, which is a terminal illness. Um, and so Wilson's not bothered by it by any means or by any stretch of the imagination. But what we were thinking about doing was, wouldn't it be interesting to look at the life of, a chi of somebody who's Hispanic and not just go over the same beats that most people do in these movies like, oh, you know, he's oppressed and things like that. Obviously, those are part of it, but we didn't want to just focus on that. We also wanted to focus on a kid who was kind of coming to uh, to terms with his mortality, you know, as well as being raised under the culture that he is. So it was, uh, it, we're still working on it. Obviously, the pandemic fucked things up, um, but we still want to film it soon. And I might even call you guys because I might need some extra help on the film. And I definitely would want to give you guys cameos, especially Albert, who might play Wilson. <laughs> in that movie, um, in the entire film. What's that? I just be my coughs, you know. Just, just do that yeah, yeah. Movie. Just cough the entire movie, and you've got the dialogue. it. Method acting. That's you it. Just get the corona, you'd be fine. Yeah, get the corona. Don't give Wilson the corona, because that'll kill him. Um, <laughs> just letting you know. So I, I just get surgery to get one lung only and take the other one out. That, that do you, what do you think Wilson has one lung? Is that how you think it works? Wilson has both lungs. You know that, right? They just don't. Lung. They just equally don't work. There's oh. no. <laughs> there's no. They're not. <laughs> they're not. I hope you understand that. Yeah, yeah. They're not. They're not. Uh, whatever you you think that they are. <laughs> he has half a lung. Clearly, look at him. I don't. Uh, I don't condone that. Uh, Albert. <laughs> so Christian Minecraft server. Okay. Yeah, this is my Christian no, Minecraft server. You're not allowed to uh, to make fun of people with terminal illnesses. Wilson doesn't care, believe me. Uh, but to the rest of the cystic fibrosis community, I feel you. I'm really sorry <laughs> for all those jokes. 
But Wilson, our friend, is not very much offended by it, so don't worry about it. Um, I also wanted to ask you, since I got both of you here, um, what was your, before everything went to shit, what was your uh, planned convention? Which was the next one you guys were planning on going to? And what were you going to cosplay? You can go first, Albert. Oh, yeah. It was, originally it was going to be Anime Next, which was going to be in Atlantic City. Um, we had planned this. I had talked this with my girlfriend, Evelyn. And uh, we discussed this to the idea of her, her friend Diana, and then Brandon, to a roommate. Uh, potentially our group premiere was originally thinking about going to Anime Next as well. And we were going to go there because it was the summertime, June. The beaches were out. It's in the middle of Atlantic City. Casinos. Everything is going to be great. And then Corona happened. So that ended up getting like next. So do, did they delay that uh, that event? or are they no, pushing? they canceled. They completely canceled it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, cons. are there any other cons that are still going to go through, you know, after the summer that you might be interested uh, in? I, the only one I feel like it's still going strong is Anime NYC because Anime NYC, for somehow, some strange reason, is still pushing forward to still happening. Mm. New York Comic Con, I don't know, but though, from my hearings from the underground, that they might potentially make that into a uh, virtual con this year instead of an actual physical con. I don't know how I've been work. hearing about that too. I heard Marvel's going to release some stuff during the San Diego Comic Con period uh, yeah. online, uh, which is fine. I mean, I wouldn't want to wait, you know, an extra four months to get news because of this. Um, but fair enough, you know, New York Comic Con. I mean, what happens at New York Comic Con, anyways? <laughs> a lot happens in New York Comic Con. What's that? I mean, a lot. I mean, they don't have the whole age stuff and the big guests that like near, that San Diego has. Which is course, hilarious because the <laughs> Comic Con, the main one, takes place in San Diego of all places, right? Which not to shit on San Diego, but it's San Diego. So, and then New York Comic Con takes place in New York, one of the biggest cities in the United States, and yet they get like the Defenders cast. Instead, instead of like the Avengers cast, which is fine. I mean, I like the Defenders, but you know, I love how New York Comic Con is just like still rising up the ranks in, in importance. I hope it makes it, you know, I hope it beats San Diego Comic Con at some point. That's just me being petty, but I hope I that mean, it does. I don't know, because San Diego's been there for like 50 years. Like they canceled their 50th Comic Con, and that's impressive on its own. So, well, yeah, it's upsetting, but it's impressive. Um, but I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I hope to see, I hope that all the conventions still, you know, go through smoothly. But back to the main question at hand, Brandon, what was your answer to that? Um, well, I was actually planning to go to um, two, one being Castle Point and then the other being uh, Sakura, Missouri. Okay. And East Coast. And East Coast. But I was looking forward more to Sakura, Missouri because we had planned... Um, with what Albert mentioned before, um, our group premiere, which is just a group of cosplayers and photographer um, movie, we had a, a shoot to do, which was going to be a Demon Slayer shoot, which I was excited for. I was going to cosplay as Game, and um, Albert was going to get in on that as well. And um, it just sucks because like we couldn't be able to do it. I was looking forward to it because like they had these beautiful backdrops, like of the cherry blossom trees that were already blossoming around April. So it definitely would have given us like a really, really good like vibe for like the photos and stuff. But mm -hmm. that got canceled. And I was also looking forward to um, Castle Point because I just love how like 
the arcade games are like. They have like Dance Revolution. They have like Japanese foods and just to see everyone like chilling and the party afterwards. The after party is incredible. I remember last year some random tall ass guy fucking <laughs> and shit. It was weird, but I mean, I had a great time going to that convention. So I was hoping to do that again, but obviously I'm going to have to wait until next year to do that. So. Right. Yeah, East Coast has been disappointing for me because this yeah. year they had announced the original cast from the X-Men animated series to appear at the convention, which was like, holy shit, they're going to get the original cast from X-Men on East Coast. And then like Corona happened and I was going to get my uh, 90s uh, right here, my 90s Wolverine action figure <laughs> signed by, uh, I forgot his name, Cal Cadet, the guy who voiced Wolverine in the Cal 90s. Cal Cadet, yeah, whatever his name is. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And he was going to show up, and I was like, oh, shit, you know, I was going to dress with Wolverine, have him sign this, like, 90s toy, have it signed, and, like, potentially sell it for how much money it is. And, uh, yeah, it didn't happen, unfortunately. I don't know if they're going to bring the cast back for next year. I doubt it, again, with everybody's schedule. Yeah, well, you know, that's what I'm... We'll see, because hopefully by the fall, everything will, will, you know, chill out a little bit. Hopefully. Um... But, you know, I also have never been to a convention, and I still want my number one to be uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, everybody so, wants San Diego. Of course, everybody fucking wants it, you know. Everybody and their mothers wants it. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. I definitely want to be at that at that event at some point in my life before I die. Well, I, I think I should warn you, a friend of ours, uh, T. Doza Cosplays, uh, he had said that the worst part of San Diego is Hall H, is because you have to stand there. In oh, the I'm sure it's fucking horrendous. People stand there for like full days, you know, like waiting. Like I wanna, I wanna know about my fictional characters really bad. I'm like, guys, come on, calm down. Get get a cup of coffee. It's <laughs> it's not that serious. Don't you know? Like they'll fucking fight you. They'll fight you. Like, that shit is beyond... Ex Imagine you're just standing there. You're a normal dude, not even cosplaying. You just have the tag. You're minding your own business, sipping some water. And then a fucking Ninja Turtle starts to beat the shit out of you. Like that, <laughs> you know? That shit. That shit's fucking amazing. I want to see that for myself. Um, but... <laughs> enough of that. Um, I was also going to ask... One second. I wanted to ask you, I have a list of questions here, that's why. I actually have a whole list for ways to involve Chase in our conversations. Since Chase is not here, I'm just going to read them out to you so you can see how my brain thinks of Chase. Uh, <laughs> ways to involve Chase. Talk about Joker. Mention trippy visuals. Uh, I literally just dotted uh for like one of them. Uh, the fourth one, music discussion. Or... Uh, the last one is UFO talk slash conspiracy topics, uh, which are the only things that I'm pretty sure would get his attention. That or mentioning that Patrick Swayze died, which on the last podcast, he didn't realize that Patrick Swayze had been dead for 10 years. <laughs> He's like, I told him, I'm like, Patrick Swayze is dead. He's like, Patrick Swayze is dead? And I'm like, yeah, dude, he died like 10 years ago, you know? But, uh... Everybody, I, that was a shock for him. I think I almost killed him. But <laughs> I, I can get UFO conspiracies because recently there has been that whole thing. I don't know a while ago. You remember that, Brandon? Where it was just like, yeah, yeah. Well, Pentagon released the video surveillance saying that 
fucking UFOs. Well, they didn't specify, but they said, well, an unidentified object was UFO. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but UFO doesn't thing imply is... <laughs> aliens. UFO yeah. means unidentified flying objects. So, you know, you don't call an alien spacecraft a UFO, because if you know it's an alien spacecraft, you wouldn't call it a UFO. It's not unidentified anymore. But, I mean, yeah, I guess they did release stuff, you know, showing, like, these objects flying through through the sky. I'm always, like, part of me wants to, to be like, yeah, aliens. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like, my mind's like, you know, like, there are probably a whole bunch of other explanations before we could even mention aliens as, like, a reasonable explanation. But, I don't know. The, they never, they've never caught one. Until they catch an alien. If they catch an alien, if they catch a little one of those motherfuckers and they show it to me, I'd be like, alright, sure. Yeah, you were right. <laughs> but until they can catch a little E.T. motherfucker, I'm still going to remain like, yeah, we don't know what the fuck it is. They're just filming shit. And they're like, oh, my God. But I think that was the least of everybody's worries compared to coronavirus and everything happening around was, it. Was the UFO? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, look, if, uh, if we've existed for humans have existed for what, like 200,000 years, if aliens have been have been able to visit within that time period and they haven't done anything to us, then clearly they're not really a threat. They're just space tourists is what I call them. They're just flying by on their little like UFO buses and they're like, look, here are the humans. They're fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> like they pretend to be other people and then they record it. Isn't that fucking weird? Uh, so I could imagine that happening. Uh but enough about the UFOs, because we're not going to spend an hour deep diving into conspiracy theories here. Just me for Chase. I mean, we'll we'll do it, but Chase has to be here, because he knows about all these fucking things. So, <laughs> he has like a fucking list of conspiracy theories he likes to talk about. But, I was also going to ask you guys, since we're talking about everything outside of uh, our own personal lives, what do you guys think about the Snyder Cut? Now, before you answer... I know I talked to Albert about this. We had like a full three-hour conversation about this. <laughs> but I haven't talked to you, Brandon, about this. And I'd like to hear both of your opinions on the podcast and see how okay. they agree or clash. I, 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 and trust me, I've, I've heard this guy talk about the Snyder Clut in full detail. Snyder Clut. But, the but Snyder Clut. The Snyder Clit. Well, it's basically what it is. <laughs> the clitoris. The clitoris. I want to hear Brandon's perspective before... We all started seeing a forty-five minute rant on the, yeah, on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> so first I, of all, lay down the ground, tell people that are watching that have no interest in superheroes or whatnot what the Snyder Cut is. Okay, so the Snyder Cut, for those of you who don't know, I was a, I was talking to Brandon, you asshole, oh. but fine, fine, go ahead, Albert. <laughs> no, Brandon, you should, do you know how to explain this to the audience? Ah, uh, okay, all right, kids. So the Snyder Cut <laughs> is a cut of Justice League. That was not released because, of course, Josh Whedon came in and he finished his job. Snyder Cut is pretty good. I'm excited for it. Like, I, I've seen so many videos on just the Snyder Cut itself, and I got to tell you, it's pretty good. Have you seen it? <laughs> have you actually seen the cut of the Snyder Cut? You can't be like, it's good, but I've never, like, that's me going, like. like well, I've seen a lot of videos that are, like, conspiracy theories. <laughs> you can say about the Snyder Cut like things that were cut scenes that were not in the film and honestly from what I saw from the trailer because they did um, they did an analysis on the first trailer that was released 
before the whole thing that happened with his daughter, Zack Snyder's daughter, mm-hmm. you know, committing suicide, sadly. They showed the scenes that were not in the film in the final cut of the movie, which was, um, of course, uh, Cyborg's backstory. They had uh, extra scenes with The Flash where he actually meets um, this girl. What's Iris. her name? Iris. He gets to save her life. And um, it's there's actually a deleted scene. You can see it online where he actually saves her and the CGI is not completed. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many scenes that were cut, especially Superman in the black suit. Obviously, he didn't have that much screen time, him in the black suit. Mm-hmm. It was just like for a small segment of the time. But to hear the fact that he just did not have a mustache in any of the scenes, it definitely sounds like a better movie to me. Right. Well, I also... Coming- I also, like, I was talking to Albert about this, about the way that they were representing Superman. And I'm sorry if, like, non-nerdy people check out at this point, but it's a point that I got to make. So, um, you can tell the differences between Snyder's version of Superman and Whedon's version of Superman, which are two vastly different portrayals, I want to say. And the reason I say that is because if you watch, like, Man of Steel or all these old, like, DCU movies where Henry, like, BVS and all of that, you see that Superman's represented in more of like a, a darker, realistic, grounded light, or at least that's what Snyder wants to get across. He wants Superman to be like he doesn't want to, he doesn't want him to be the 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 version that he's always been in like comics and pop culture, which is like oh I'm the symbol of hope. You know, you look up at the sky, you see Superman, it's like yay. Now that what he did was he made Superman like a controversial figure because he felt like that would somehow fit within the world. That he was building. Um, although I just, I just I can't take Superman seriously if he's threatening to murder me. Uh, that's usually you know which is something that he did multiple times, especially with Batman. He's like the bat is dead or the bat is gone. I'm like kill it or whatever he said. That was insane. How he was just like, oh, what happened to Brandon here? Hold up. It, it, hold on, I think his screen is a little bit. Oh, there you are. Hi. Okay. I think. He, what, is his screen froze for a second? or He's having a couple latency issues. Um, I'm not sure why. But let's just... Uh, there. Yeah, I'm here. <clears throat> okay, cool, cool. So, yeah. Um, Soups is very different. And then Whedon, as you can tell, you know which scenes were added by Whedon in Justice League. You can tell. Because there's a mustache that is missing. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So you can tell. However, Whedon has a different approach to Superman. And you can tell because every scene that Whedon does, Superman is actually happy. He's actually, <laughs> you know, like, he's, like, he's he's filled with joy. You know, he's, like, the opening scene, which is the phone video, which is the, the you know, like, the creme de la creme of, like, shitty CGI scenes. But still, um, that scene is to show you, like, how Superman is just this, like, inspiring figure kids are going up to him and going superman superman and he's giving them advice and that's him trying that's like whedon trying to say like hey this superman that you're seeing here this is still familiar this is the superman that you know this is the christopher reeve superman somehow um and so and then you go into the movie and then like or the opening scene where or not the opening scene but later on when they revive superman when they bring him out of the ground and he just decides to fucking KO all the Justice League. He just starts beating the shit out of, like, he bitch slaps Flash. He bitch slaps Aquaman. Like, he just takes <laughs> all of them out. And it's like, but why? 
Like, why <laughs> Why is that his go-to? Like, why was he, like, he woke up, I guess, you know, he died in a violent way, but he knows Batman, and he knows Wonder Woman. He's, he's, he's fought with them. He met them. So he's not going to, like, want to snap their necks like the way he did with Zod. At least I don't think so, right? He seems, like, really angry. Or something. He was just un- inexplicably angry, and Snyder's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. I want him to be a murderous douchebag. Uh, and then he leaves, he fucks off, and he goes to see Lois at the farmhouse, right? And that's a Whedon scene. And he's actually being human, and he's being sincere and, and hopeful. He's being nice. He's not trying to kill Lois, you know? And so that's great. And then he goes back to just being a, an ex machina at the end of the movie, um, which is sad. But still, my point being that, like, Whedon... I'm not saying Whedon did a great job with post-production. I get that the movie's a little bit messy. But he was given something to work with. And he didn't want Superman to be a bum. A really sad one at that. So I think that's why he made those changes. Um, I don't know, man. I just think Superman is better if he's happy. You feel? But that's my opinion on things. I talked for a long time about that. But still, there you go. Is Brandon dead? I think he, I think he's 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 moved on to a better place. I know he hasn't blinked in like thirty minutes, <laughs> so I'm just assuming that he he's dead. Oh shit! Sure. Yeah, he's dead. Oh, he's coming back. He revived from the dead, just like Superman. Yeah, hopefully he's not going to try and snap her next now. <laughs> he's going to look up to me and just like Albert, do you bleed? Do you bleed? <laughs> I'm, Albert, I'm pretty sure you could, like, eat Brandon for breakfast if you wanted to. It shouldn't be too <laughs> difficult. But, uh, what the fuck? Like, it's still, like, his, you know what? It's his connection, but he'll still be on regardless. We still have an um, episode. What's up? I just heard his voice. Uh, yeah, it's my Wi-Fi acting up. Uh, you can't eat me for breakfast. I know martial arts. <laughs> yeah, did you watch the Spider-Man movies? He took that fucker out. Um, but yeah, you fucking knock me in the head, <laughs> right? If you want, Bryn, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna force you to do it, but you can also connect to like your data and see if that works a little bit better for you. Um, it's up to you because I don't want you to waste, you know, any like I'm gonna, I'm gonna call from my phone, okay? All right, sounds good. Um, I think you should still, he still has the link, I think, so it should be fine, yeah. Anyhow, uh, what was I gonna say? Um, you want Superman just Superman should just be happy, you know. You should yeah, Superman should just be fucking happy. He shouldn't be going around like being like, "Yo, Batman, fuck you! I'm gonna kill you now." And then like Batman's just like, "Fuck, I can't do anything." <laughs> you know, he's being choked. Again, I didn't know that uh, Ben Affleck being choked in a bad suit would be that funny. Um, pretty funny. Yeah, it's yeah. I think I saw like there was. I think Snap Zach did film a farm scene. But it, I think the dialogue was much different from how Whedon's version was. I think the thing is, Zach is a DC nerd. So, like, he's read the books and he knows how to, like, I think he knows, you know, he knows obscure stories. He knows how to, I want to say, out of anybody else, he should know better. Yet, you know, he kind of does this, like, whole workaround where he's, like, trying to change the way Superman is perceived. And it just, it doesn't work for me, man. You know? It's not a uh, it's not an ideal like way to represent the character in my opinion. But look, 
whatever I think about Snyder is irrelevant because at the end of the day, I may not like Snyder's filmmaking style, but I'm sure he's a great guy. I think at the end of the day, Snyder's like not a he's not a shitty dude. You know, he's not doing this out of malice. And my nerdy complaints have way no no opinion on his personal life. Like I want people to understand that I'm not shitting on him. Um, I'm shitting on his movie style, which is different, but I'm not shitting on him. <laughs> and so, um, and honestly, like, you know, after the tragedy that happened with his daughter, you know, having passed, um, and everything that occurred, the fact, this is, I think, very special to him, very special to him, the fact that the Snyder Cut is being released now, you know, this is something that, uh, is in a way, I guess, a sense of closure for the family, you know? So as long as that gives them that closure, then I don't care what I think about the Snyder Cut. It, from in my opinion, I think it's going to be horrible. But whatever I think is is irrelevant, you know. I think that it's uh, it's Snyder's film. It's his baby, and he deserves to see it finished from uh, back to front. And so I hope he does. Uh, I hope he does soon. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Brandon's like asking for help now. <laughs> Uh, one second. But yeah. So, I don't know, man. I mean, it is what it is. I really don't really... I'm not huge on the Snyder Cut, per se. I really couldn't care for Justice League as a movie. So, Snyder's version of it, even though, sure, it is interesting to see how different it could be from the regular version we saw. But at the same time, I'm not going to be super hyped about it. Like, I probably casually just see it on my own, like, one of these days if it does come out, like, somewhere next year. I just happen to stream it, just like, oh, you know, let me check it out, you know, see how it is. But, you know, I'm not one of those people that was like... I'm probably not even going to get HBO Max off the bat. Yeah, probably, like... I mean, I'm not probably not good to say this illegally stream it, (laughs) but, you know... It's, it's at least like I can at least finally see what the hype was all about at least and see what everybody's been like well not everybody but what uh, Snyder fans have been vehemently like vocal about this whole ordeal and wanting his vision to come true okay sure whatevs let me actually see the film for what it is and judge it on its merits if it's still bad it's still a bad film but you know at least it's finally done he finally ha- he's has wrapped up with whole DC at least I think. I don't know if they'll probably hire him back. I'm just pissed off that people are like, hey, now we can see it worked. So now we can boycott for other movies. So now, like, I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing, like, release the air cut for Suicide Squad. I'm seeing release Spider Man 4. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Spider Man 4 didn't even get, like, none of it exists. You would literally have to call everybody back and be like, hey, we're going to pretend that we're going to, that we always had this movie, uh, but we're actually just going to film it from scratch. <laughs> so like I like what the fuck like some of this is, is hilarious you know um, some people are, I saw some people going release the trank cut which I don't know if it's out of irony or not like if they're doing it for jokes which for people that don't know what the trank cut is that means Josh Trank the director of Chronicle <clears throat> and the new Capone movie he directed a Fantastic Four movie back in 2015 which is probably buried you know in someone's very, very deep consciousness, and most people don't even remember it happened. Um, you know, it's right there next to um, Damn Daniel and some other meme from 2015. So, people want his cut of the movie released, which is hilarious, I think. Um, 
because the movie itself was not exciting enough to me to constitute um, any anything anything out of that. Um, but Deadpool two was actually originally going to have that version of the Fantastic Four in it, and they were like, "Nah." You know, <laughs> they saw the movie before and they're like, yeah, you know what? Mm. Nah, not necessary. Um, and it would have been, it would just complicated things, honestly. Um, you know, also the fact yeah. that Doom, isn't Doom dead in that, like, doesn't he die in the movie? I don't remember. He I dies, just... he dies. He gets knocked into the beam. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. You goddamn motherfuckers. I'm sorry that I'm sounding nerdy right now, but for people that don't know, Doctor Doom is one of the greatest fucking villains ever made or ever written in Marvel comics. I think in most comics, just the way that he's told. And I'm not saying that like, oh my god, like he can do this and he can do that. Like I'm talking like psychologically speak speaking, he's he's a very well he's a very well explored character. They write about his mentality and his goals and he's not really entirely a villain. If you if you read about him, and some people I've met some people who completely like align themselves with his perspective, and like I don't I don't I don't think you should be doing that, but you know, <laughs> um, it happens, <clears throat> and so it's um just fuck Josh Trank for killing Doctor Doom. I I don't I don't I don't, and then he made a movie about Capone shitting himself in his bed. So I don't I don't exactly see. Um, yeah, Tra Trank was a one hit wonder. Yeah, he got Chronicle right, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> that's the only thing he got right. I don't get the hype, and you know, I bet you people are just gonna write on like it's an underrated class, and I'm just like, you guys really seriously just memeing? Because I'm like, at this point, why, why? <laughs> Not even the most like die-hard like Marvel fans or Fox fans would just would look at that, and they would just be like, dude, let's just, let's not talk about this, <laughs> right? And there's no reason to. But uh, it's just, it's hilarious, I, I think, personally. I think going back to the whole mentality of, like, fans are just, like, eager to get certain cuts of films released, which I kind of feel like can start to lead to some very deadly mindsets here. Because mm -hmm. it kind of disregards the original film as a whole. Like, well, okay, well, then what's the point of releasing something that you're proud of when people are just going to demand a version of it that's not the same? It's just like, oh, well, you know, it's what the director truly envisioned, you know. It's not, I'm like, oh. I thought the director truly envisioned was a film that put out on screen, you know? Well, yeah, then you get into an argument about whether, you know, movies are even director's visions from the get-go or if they're just the studio's vision, you know? Then you start getting into that argument. You, you start saying, well, is, I don't know, is Avengers Infinity War, is that the Russo Brothers' vision? Or is that, or is that a, um, Marvel Studios' vision? Or Disney's vision, I guess you could say. Like, is that who? Who does that really? Who, whose idea, is it really? Is is that movie? You know, um, you could say it's Kevin Feige, obviously, but you know, and uh, the Russo brothers. You know, I I see a lot of elements of their, of their storytelling in those movies. So you know, it depends. I guess you could say. Plus, the Russo brothers seem pretty happy about it. They promote it, you know, without having a gun aimed at them. They seem to be pretty happy with it. So, um. I don't know, man. I like the... Uh, I don't know if you've seen Community, by the way. Just to change topics a little bit here. Shift gears. But uh, that's a Russo Brothers show. And Community is so good. Arrested Development is, too. 
Uh, one second. I think he's uh, in the thing. Ah, uh, yes, he is. Okay. Welcome back, Brandon. He's back from the land. Okay, sorry. You're good. It's all right. Yeah. Don't worry about it, you Adam Friedland knockoff. Anyhow. <laughs> um, dude, look up Adam Friedland. I'm not even kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, so call it? Um, yeah, man. No, so we were talking about just director's cuts and what constitutes a director's cut. Or if it's, or if movies are just studio cuts from the get go, you know, if it's whether it's the director's vision from the get go or if it's the studio's vision from the get go. Well, um, I feel like it's going to be the studio because mm -hmm. I remember that there was actually a Spider-Man three, which was their actual director's cut, but it actually wasn't mm -hmm. the true Spider-Man three because there's a lot of deleted scenes still not even included in that cut. I remember it was on a Blu-ray special, which was called uh, Spider-Man The Uncut, which included three new scenes, four new scenes, and different shots and stuff. And people thought it was going to be a better Spider-Man movie, a better Spider-Man 3, essentially. But it never it never was. It just added some cool scenes. Like, you got to see Spider-Man in his black suit in the daytime. You got to see some small segments added into it that were a little extended but it really didn't influence the movie in any way like it didn't make the movie any better like i feel like it's just going to be another cash grab it's probably not going to include everything because knowing studios they're not going to want to put that extra effort into doing all that extra work to show you know all yes yeah, it's not as labor intensive they want to be able to get as much done for cheaply as possible yeah um and so, and it makes, I mean, it makes sense from a financial standpoint, but you also, you know, you have to think about the creative standpoint. Sometimes you're limited, you're limited by finances, obviously. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, the less you spend, the less content you'll really be able to get in, in the first place. Um, but you know, I guess it makes sense from a financial standpoint, which is actually something I wanted to bring up. And this might be a divisive topic, a dis divisive, divisive, fuck it. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. Divisive. Okay. But it's gonna be a, it's just gonna be a topic that I think we may not all agree on, but I wanted to get everybody's opinion on it, and that is uh, what happened a couple months ago with Scorsese, with Scorsese saying that uh, Marvel films or just you know superhero flicks are not cinema, and I was wondering what you guys, what the opinion of you guys each was. I have a pretty differing opinion, I'm sure, so I want to see what you guys think first. Um. I'll go first on this because I got a lot of hate about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Martin Scorsese. I love his work. I think he's a phenomenal director. I feel like he knows what he's talking about when it comes to movies because he's directed so many and plus he's been in the business for a while. Um, however, I do think he's right and I also think he's wrong. Um, I'll give you both sides. So I think he's wrong in kind of saying these movies are not good they're not successful you know mm -hmm. i think he's wrong in that field because i feel like these movies are successful and they are good in their own way but um i also think you know what like i don't think they're complete real movies in the sense of like grounding themselves like you know these movies are really compelling and stuff. Don't get me wrong, like movies like Endgame, you know, it made me cry, it made me get emotional, it had me on my toes. 
Um, I would say Endgame does live up to the standards as almost as to what Scorsese does in his movies, where it keeps you up on your feet, it gets you engaged. It's, you know, the storytelling is very well put together. And, you know, it definitely, but you know what? The problem is he's probably talking in the sense of like, oh, what's a movie that's Oscar worthy? Or what's a movie that's something that people love to see and would see over and over again, you know? Go ahead. Like, I feel like he's right and wrong. I'm Mm -hmm. too excited about it, but I do agree with him on many levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, Albert, you want to go? I'll go last because I'm the host. So. My thing with Scorsese is that I think people Mm -hmm. kind of misdirect his quotes a lot. And I've seen that a lot, especially with um, die die hard, hardcore Marvel fans. being like, oh my God, he's attacking Marvel film. He never really directly attacked them. He just said, like, he just compared them to theme park attractions, which, to be fair, in his own right, he's kind of true. If you really think about it, these guys are dressing up in costumes. They're not really, like, getting a chance to fully act. I mean, they they act to the best of their abilities, but they're not really doing something that's, like, challenging like you just and that's why in some movies you see like usually like the costumes get damaged and like they can't wear their masks anymore like in the Tobey Maguire films you know Peter in almost every fucking movie he loses he loses his mask and it's just to be able to convey the performance that they're trying to do at that point also they're paying for an actor you know like the studio is paying for this guy they want his face to be available you know they don't want to just pay like it's like paying for Brad Pitt and then covering him in a tarp the whole movie you know so that's why like they they do that as well because um, it's money, you know, they're they're spending money for this performer, so they might as well get a performance out of him. Um, but go ahead, Albert, continue. And uh, yeah, I mean, the only exception mm-hmm. of that was um, who was this guy? Uh, was it that Carl Urban for Dread? Yeah, or you never saw his face. Yeah, you, you just saw his fucking chin. <laughs> but, yeah. so but anyways, back to my thing was. Mm-hmm. Sure, there is a sense. There is a sense of like, yeah, it's very theme park, but at the same time. Think about it. Theme parks are fun. You go to a roller coaster to have fun. You go to like something like, uh, like uh, Bizarro or Kingdom of Kong and Six Flags. It's a euphoria experience. It's it's just yeah, it's for fun. It's just you know it's it's a it's in a it's a cathartic, um, out of this world kind of experience that's just supposed to, I want to say, it's just supposed to give you this sense of joy that other films can't really give you to that extent. I'm not yeah. saying I'm, that's not me shitting like on anything, you know. Um, I guess the best way I can put it, it's kind of similar to your pr- perspective, Albert. Um, is the way that I think Scorsese's right by saying that they are theme park movies because that's kind of what they are at the end of the day. Like we can't, and there's no insult by it. Like you know, you watch Endgame, it's a theme park ride. Like it has very heavy elements, but for the most part, the movie tries to hone in and focus on what is visually appealing. And what is also, you know, um, just very emotionally satisfying for the audience, you know, them seeing all those characters line up that they've seen for 10 years. That's a satisfying experience for an audience member. Uh, It just feels good. You know, it just feels cathartic for them, you know. And so it makes sense. Like, uh, you know, when Thor and Infinity War lands in Wakanda and like fucking just murders everyone like that is that is an extremely cathartic experience. It's just a release of dopamine. It's a rush, you know. And so, and it's a rush without having to get into any moving, you know, vehicle or, or theme park ride or anything like that. So Scorsese's not wrong when he says that. I don't think he's really insulting it. He's more so just, it's not his kind of cinema. It's not his style of movie. 
it's not something that he would personally be into, but he gets why people might be into it. You know, he gets the euphoria and the rush. Um, but it's not his thing. And there, I wouldn't go as far to call it not cinema. I think it is cinema. Not I just think it falls under a separate category. You know, it's a different genre. Because yeah. if you go back to the 80s, Scorsese also talked shit about Spielberg's movies. And he said the Spielberg, Spielberg's movies were not uh, inherently cinema. They were a different thing. Uh, but, you know, if we do that, if we go back then and we align ourselves with that opinion, then basically the only thing that is cinema is this small little branch of movies that Scorsese does. Like, just just Scorsese movies are cinema, which is not fair. So, you know, I get, I, I but I do get his point. You know, they're different, they're just different genres. You know, like in music, you have different genres. The only thing that about superhero movies is that they're a bit more versatile with their genres. They can be different genres so even though the superhero film in my opinion is kind of its own thing its own genre it could have subcategories so then you have a superhero movie that's a spy espionage movie like winter soldier or political thriller i mean or you have like a a a galactic adventure sci-fi movie like guardians of the galaxy they're all superhero movies but they have different categories which they fall into so you know at the end of the day it's interesting to see like, I agree with Scorsese. I do think that they also oversaturate the market a little bit. Like, I love yeah. seeing superhero movies, but there's uh, too many of them. You get to point where you're just like, it's a little too much. There's, there's like, too many, and that's the problem. Like, the small filmmaker, people like us, you know, that do want to put out original films, or just people, you know, that, are, that have a bigger pay cut than us and still make movies, people like Scorsese, they are in danger of not being able to premiere their films in theaters anymore because of the oversaturated market. Because people would rather go see a Spider-Man three, than go see the Irishman, in in the uh, in theaters, you know. So they can't really compete, you know. That's why the Irishman's on Netflix. Uh, and so it 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 just shows that as much as I love superhero media and I consume it, you know, I'm not a, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I I love it, you know. And if anybody who's watching the stream on camera, I literally have you know, fucking all my superhero characters up there, you know, displayed for people to see. Um, so it's like, I, I like them, but I also, I am self-aware of what they are. And, uh, I just think, yeah, like, I think there's too many fucking superhero movies. I think fans have gotten too spoiled. I feel like people that belong to that fan base one day, you know, 20, you know, 30 years ago, if someone complained about, let's go, let's go back to 1986. Someone, some nerd is pissed off that someone made Howard the Duck the way that they did. The movie, right? Someone's pissed off, like, "Oh my God, how could they do that to Howard the Duck? Are they they fucking are they stupid? How could they do that to my Howard the Duck? You know what's happening to that kid? He's getting stuffed in a dumpster. All right, he's gonna be thrown in a dumpster full of shit, and they're gonna laugh at him because he has no right to complain. But nowadays, that same person makes the same complaint. This person has the power to make a studio back down. That is ridiculous." <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I get, you know, there should be a movement, there should be, like, motion if something deserves justice, right? But to complain about a character, or to complain about a movie, about fictional characters, you know? It's it's reminding me a lot of, like, how the Sonic design for that movie came out, and everybody and their mother was like, oh my god, you look so fucking ugly! Yeah, it's and like, do you guys it, not have anything more important in your lives than Sonic's design, <laughs> than to, Sonic's to, design. Or, like, come on. To, to make a studio go back and spend like twenty-five million dollars to re-edit, not even reshoot, but just to re-edit his appearance. Mind you, the film was going to be the same thing. Nothing right. changed except for his design. 
Right. So the movie would have still been pretty good regardless of how he right. looked. Like the, the quality of the film, people were pissed off because of the design, but they didn't really change anything narratively. Now, I watched part of the Sonic movie, and I got to be honest, I didn't think it was that good. I didn't think it was that good. Sorry, my voice cracked there. Um, you know, but that's my opinion. You know, I'm not the majority. Yeah. So, uh, but I just, I didn't, I thought it was like, it felt like a movie that should have come out in like 2007. Yeah, or the know, 90s. It or didn't, something it like didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like a movie I'd see nowadays. That felt like, it felt like some over the hedge style shit, you know? <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> it was just, it was, I didn't, I, I couldn't get into it. You know, over the edge, I still consider that. Remember that? I can't believe you remember that. Over shit. the hedge? Fuck, of course. Yeah. RJ? The fucking the, the the raccoon voiced by Bruce Willis, Bruce motherfucking Willis, and then the turtle. What was his name? Burn. Actors in that movie. What's that? They had a lot of A-list actors. Yeah, in they that did. Vern the the turtle was voiced by uh, what's his face? Uh, Gary was it Gary Shandling, the guy that that died recently. Um, he was like he was the guy in Iron Man two. He was the the one at the beginning in the court scene or whatever. Oh, oh, like, oh, man, that old guy. Yeah, the Jewish dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's like sitting up there, and Iron Man's like, I'm not giving you my shit. And he's like, well, you're going to give me my gear. And, uh, and then you see him again in Winter Soldier, and he goes, Hail Hydra. That's like his only line. So, um, but yeah, Gary Shandling, I think, voiced the turtle, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, Steve Carell is the fucking squirrel. Steve Carell was, a, that was the best casting, yeah. honestly. That was Carell. amazing. That voice matched perfectly. Wanda Sykes was the skunk. Uh, which I'm not sure if that was racy or not, because the skunk was more black than she was white, yeah. and Wanda Sykes is black. So I don't know. I don't know if they were trying to do shit there. I don't know if they had some ulterior motive, <laughs> but that was a little weird. I say <laughs> so, black people stink all the time. It's like the Black Ranger, you know. It's and like, it's, oh, he's black. So he's gonna... What's that? What'd you say? What'd you say about my mother? <laughs> <laughs> Or like the Yellow Ranger played by an Asian girl, you know? Right, right, right. So like, I mean, it doesn't. It's not really. It's it does not matter. It's all substantial, but still. Substantial, you know. You but know, it like, is kind of like going back to the whole like fans demanding. Like it's starting to become a little scary that people are demanding that they have that much power too. Like you yeah. know, like I get it. They're the consumers, so they should have a voice, right? Like we're all consumers, so we should have a right to say what we want to consume. But I think that that also ruins the whole factor of just of being surprised of a movie or getting a movie, you know, uh, in general. Because if, if you orchestrate the movie, then there's really no craft to it. You get me? Like, there's yeah. no craft to the film if the if the audiences get to decide what happens. You know, and the perfect example of that is, like, Rise of Skywalker. People were complaining about The Last Jedi so much that Lucasfilm's like, all right, well, let's make a fan fic- let's make a fan fiction movie, literally. And that's what they did. And it's, I'm sorry, my opinion, it's not good. I love The Force Awakens. I love The Last Jedi. Um, Same. I can't stand Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, I remember our experience watching that film was like utter, like, we just went Who out there. Who are like, you? I'm Ray Skywalker. It's I'm just like, no, come on, man. What the fuck? I just like see that. I'm just like, I did not fucking buy that movie. Like, seriously, I still, till this day, do not like what they did with Palpatine. Like, none of that made sense. It just sounded like shit. Well, we don't know what to do. 
Snook is dead, so we need another Snook. villain. Oh, let's just get Palpatine to come back. And what they did was they spoil him to come back for the fucking trailers for no right, damn right. Reason. But it's not even that. It's like right now. See, right now we're doing exactly what we were talking about. We sound like hypocrites. We're complaining about the film, but hold on. I, we yeah, have a, no, no. But we have a reason. We have a reason. And sure. the reason we have a reason is because the reason that I'm saying reason a lot, but the reason that they did this in the first place was because people were complaining. People were complaining so much that they caved and they made a film literally just they half-assed a movie they half-assed a movie they gave they threw out their original concept because they're like that'll make people upset and the studio caved because they thought that they were going to lose their audience that's ridiculous i don't know i think that's ridiculous that that's what led to a movie being changed that heavily i don't know if you saw like colin trevorrow's um his his concept art for duel of fates which was the original title for the movie but that was fantastic them fighting on coruscant Hawks committing suicide, um, like that. Everything. I mean, I don't know if it was going to be shot that way, but the composition was beautiful in those pieces of art, and uh, and the fact that we were going back to Coruscant, where everything kind of began, was really poetic, you know. So, because Coruscant is the homeworld of humans too in Star Wars, as far as we know, and that's also where everything begins. If you go back to Episode One, the Jedi are hosted in Coruscant, so it's it's only fitting that it ends there, but they fucked up. <laughs> and they were like, nah. And she and Larey was gonna have a, a double ended lightsaber, which would be, I think, the first time in a film that we see a Jedi use um, a, a double light, double ended lightsaber. Um, so you know, it, it was a lot of missed opportunities. Um, it makes me sad that that movie will never happen. It also makes me sad that it ended on Episode Nine because that's not a that's not a number that that's not a satisfying number. Make a ten. Make Episode Ten. That's what I would <laughs> sounds commanding. Be like episode nine was Ray tripping on acid. She wasn't all right, you know. She just yeah. <laughs> she she took a bad couple of mushrooms. She had a bad trip, and that's what episode nine was. She wakes back up after the last Jedi. She's like, "Shit, what's going on?" Um, so like, I would prefer that. I'd be like, "Fine, thank God, I don't have to accept that movie as canon." You know, Palpatine wasn't going to be in in the movie originally in Duel of Fates. He was still going to be dead. Which is fine. Like I don't. I, Palpatine did not have to come back to give us any kind of satisfaction, but you know they did it. I would have preferred fucking Boba to come back, which he is now in Mandalorian, um, in the season two of Mandalorian. I guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy that they're fucking bringing him back, because uh, I don't know. I'm a big Boba Fett fan, so it made me sad. I was one of the few people campaigning to see Boba Fett again in Force Awakens when it was announced. Because um, if you guys don't know, in the in the uh, in the comics, or at least in the stories originally, before the movies, before Disney bought them, Boba Fett was the one that helped train, I think Han Solo's daughter, to kill her brother, because her brother, basically, you know, in the expanded universe, Han Solo has two kids. He has Jason Solo, yeah. and he has uh, whatever her name is, and. Um, and he, Boba, and Jason Solo turns to the dark side. And he's one of the strongest Jedi ever, whatever. And then, kind of like Kylo. And then, uh, and then Boba Fett's like, "I'm gonna train this bitch to kill her brother." And that's like him saying, "That's like him going to Han, like, hey, I'm helping you, but I'm also fucking up your family." So you know, it's like a little like double entendre. It's a little like double-edged sword. Like he's helping, but he's also like wounding Han in a way. So I would have loved to have seen that because Boba wouldn't have been that old. Boba was born in the Clone Wars um, in Episode 2. He was already, like, what, like 10, 8 years old, something like that. 
So by and then, uh, what is it? About fifty years later is when the Force Awakens happens. So he would just be like sixty years old, which is exactly how old Tamura Morrison is right now. He's fifty nine. So it works out, you know. But fuck it, they they didn't do it, and they're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> it would have been a perfect opportunity. What did you guys think of Rise of Skywalker? The Force uh, Awakens, they had a lot of moments, mm-hmm. but I feel like there were so many like there were so many ideas going on at once that it really didn't make sense. None of it made sense. It was just fan service, fan service. And as much as I enjoyed all the fan service I was getting, it was like watching a Marvel movie where they were just trying to please us by showing us this that we're familiar with, that were showing us that. And yeah, it's I like was- familiarity is not a good storytelling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just because you show somebody something from the past doesn't mean that your movie's now good. Like, yeah. oh, we have CGI Luke and Leia when they were training when she turned to be a Yeah, Jedi. like, that's not, that's not, you know, it's like they went back to the place in A New Hope at the end, I think, right, didn't they? They went, it's like, why? Like, I get the symbolism behind it, but just because you show us the farm doesn't mean that we're going to be like, oh my god! Like, it's just like, okay, but justify it. Give us a reason for why it's there. You know, like, Coruscant in the original story would have worked great, because it makes sense. It ends where it begins, you know. It has a purpose. The Senate is based in Coruscant, originally, you know. Everything, it's, it makes sense why the fight's going on there. You take over Coruscant, you take over the, the, the Republic again. It all makes sense. But they didn't care about that. Which leads me to another question before, you know, we wrap up in a bit. Um, I was going to ask you guys, what you guys thought of uh, The Last Jedi, personally? Uh, last Jedi. I mean, tread I, carefully. I Someone oh. will kill you on the streets if you answer incorrectly. <laughs> no first number. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I mean, I, I will admit it. Did, they did took a lot of balls to like put something out that was radically different from what we usually expect from Star Wars. Like, yeah. me personally, I think visually, it is very stunning. It is a very visually beautiful film. I have no doubt about it. It's really well filmed and um, what's the term for it? Um, whatever but like it's basically like everything that you see in that film it, it does have a memorable shot in it uh the acting you know same star wars films you know the acting's always hit or miss it's never been like top tier acting but you know it's for what it was it was pretty good i enjoyed the risk they were taking for what they were trying to do with the the mythos of star wars now i know i may have had some grievances with them killing off snow had they had not set up I feel like I would have been fine with it as it is, but the fact that they set that up to being him just a regular clone of Palpatine really made me mad about that ending even more. Right, because if but, they had just gone with Duel of Fates, then I feel like Snoke's death would have been okay. Like I don't think that would have been; it would have still been fine. Like it would have been justified. Like, I know it's a, it's a controversial death, but at least yeah. it, it could have moved on from that with Duel of Fate. But the fact that he was just a, a clone at the end—it was just like it really didn't matter. His character was useless, basically. It Essentially, didn't matter. So. Yeah, and I agree with you. We'll continue. Do you have any other, you know, more points about it? I mean, I do. I, I do appreciate how the film ended, though. I do like the last shot of the film where we do see the kid um, that we don't know has Jedi powers, and it kind of symbolizes, like, look, anybody can really be a Jedi. It, we don't need to know who he is. It's just well, anybody can be a hero. I think. Can, yeah, 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 it's yeah. not really a Jedi because the Jedi. Like anybody can really have that power and just make something of it and make a difference right you know and i like that about the last jedi because i i liked 
the fact that they they went in a different route in every sense of the word like cinematography wise it was shot completely different from any other star wars film um and it was beautifully shot i mean the last fight scene on that planet with the red sand or whatever that was gorgeous especially the fight between kylo and luke where they're taking the different stances and you see when kylo's moving his feet on the on the ground the red comes up oh it's gorgeous it's so well done you know and story-wise, I think it had some weaknesses, you know, like the casino scene, I think, was just kind of unnecessary, yeah. at least Overall, to the extent the that it was. was like not a good um, part of the film. Right, you know, but I think, and I, a lot of people were pissed off that Ray wasn't related to anybody, and I didn't see a problem with that. I was like, well, you know, not everybody has to be related to somebody. Like, who the fuck was Qui-Gon related to? <laughs> you know, like, who was Qui-Gon related to? Who's Obi-Wan related to? Who's Obi-Wan's dad? Who gives a fuck? I don't care who Obi-Wan's dad is, you know, it's like nobody, you don't have to be, just be, the Skywalker family is not the only line of people with force abilities that we've seen in the Star Wars movies. You know, by the time that Skywalker is recruited, there's already a fucking council with people that are not related to him by any means, you know, and they are all force sensitive. So Rey being this nobody shouldn't come as a shock to people. I don't know why people were so upset by that. I think it's the fact that it would be... Mm. The fact that they did tease something with Force Awakens to let people think, oh, could there be a storyline with her character and whatnot? And then to find out it wasn't like we, there is no family, right? It doesn't have family, you know? Yeah, but that I think that's of, still a twist. That's still yeah, a, still a twist. twist. I mean, I granted, I, to Star Wars fans, usually they were just like really disappointed because they expected something big. But I guess in, um, I feel like they let themselves down away because I feel like instead of letting the character like, progress they were afraid of letting like oh well if he's not related to the person why should we care about this character well it's not the point of ray you're not right. supposed to give a shit about mm-hmm. and that's and that's the problem you know i just think a lot of people went in with high expectations and you should never do that with a film i mean you can go and in it, with, it with ruined it especially the best <laughs> go back to rise of skywalker right. the best way to go in a movie is with the lowest expectations possible so you're not hurt at the end of it and then if it is amazing then you're just blown out of the water like, that's the best way to go see a movie. Like, I don't know if it'll be good or not. And then when you walk out, if it is good, you fucking, you, you walk out with cum in your pants. Like, you know, it's insane. But my problem, my problem with the, the Last Jedi is that, okay, so the way they ended it with The Force Awakens, you got the sense that Luke Skywalker's portrayal was going to be influential. Like, he was going to help Rey. He was going to show Ray some guidance. I think the way they handled Luke Skywalker's character, I feel like that was just the only flaw of the movie because mm-hmm. everything else was fine. I just didn't like the betrayal of Luke because Luke was this optimistic person, this sense of hope. And to see him be this depressing brute, it just did not click with me. And the casino scene as well. I felt like the casino scene seemed like it was excessive more yeah it was more i don't know it felt like the real world it felt like modern time which a star like pulled you out of it yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, the stuff <laughs> with ray uh, not, um with rose the, the finn and rose stuff i feel like that I was kind of and i didn't hate rose i liked her i just didn't think that scene was necessary i, I wasn't fine with that but i felt like mm-hmm. they put too much focus on that and they mm-hmm. shouldn't they should have mm-hmm. been more more scenes with Luke, more scenes with Ray and Kylo. Like I feel like those should have been the primary focus, and I felt like they were shifting too much to them and to this. Mm-hmm. I guess they wanted to give them more like story and more development, and I appreciate what they were trying to do, but mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I felt like maybe they should have just kind of chosen a different location because I felt like they were trying to shove in some jokes that really weren't clicking with me. Right, right. Um, um, I felt like they were just trying to make it into, um, you know, like how they do it with the Marvel movies, you know, try to shove in a bunch of jokes and try to keep people entertained and stuff. And I felt like it was... I mean, I I partially agree. So I can agree that they definitely did radically change Luke Skywalker, and that they subverted your expectations in the Last Jedi when it opened because they basically just have him toss the saber like it's not a big deal, right? And so I get I get it, but I and I was a bit concerned by it at first, but then I ended up liking it when I saw it in action. And the re- and again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. You know, if you don't like it, that's fine. You know, I I have no reason to weigh on that, but. I'm going to tell you why I thought I why I like the change. You know, it's 30 years since we've last seen Luke Skywalker, so you have to take that into account. 30 years, we have you. Everybody in this chat has not even been alive for 30 years, <laughs> so that's a long period. All right. So, um, my point of the matter being, uh, a lot can happen in that time period, and it goes to show how Luke kind of devolved. From his pers- from his original perspective, and the reason for that is because Luke is really young and very impressionable when we first see him, and he goes on to become this expert fighter. But he still he doesn't really have a, a role model or guidance when he's doing this. He's basically learning how to be a Jedi through what Yoda and Obi Wan taught him. But once they're gone, he's on his own, you know. So he's the only person that can really navigate his future. So you know, you're like what twenty something. And you are now, you now have to be the face of this massive, massive, uh, basically religion, I want to call it, where you have to represent this to a T in the most spotty, clean way possible. You have to make sure the Jedi are not controversial and they're seen in in a positive light. And so, you know, the Jedi were already wrong from the get go because they, they tell you that, and basically they tell you that in Return of the Jedi, because when Luke goes out, and he's trying to fight um, Vader and whatnot. Like they're, they ba- the the Jedi have a very black and white view of things. He's like, no, you ha- Vader cannot be brought back. You know, you have to take him out. Yoda's even like, you know, there's nothing you can fucking do. Like that's just how the Force works. And Luke refused to believe that, and he was actually able to get his father to reform. He refused the teachings of the Jedi, but as time passes on. And he doesn't have any influence from anybody. And his father's dead now. You know, he saw what happened to his father. Again, his father wasn't a saint, even though he he reformed himself at the end. His dad murdered people without any grievance. Like, he fucking... He would choke motherfuckers. He would, like, slice kids in half. He didn't give a fuck. So this kid is... This this child has to be okay with that legacy. This kid, I guess, right? And then the immense pressure that's placed on him for 30 years. So the second that Ben Solo shows that he has a potential to be something like his father, that freaks him the fuck out. Because he already knew what he went through. He knew, he remember, he went through a war, he saw what happened, he had to, he had to find, and now he's the only person with a voice of reason? Like, can you imagine that kind of stress? Like, you're the only person that has authority in this situation. So, I like, just, what's that? No, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I just wish we would have been able to see that more. Yeah, and- no, I agree with you. I feel if it was more vocalized. I feel like the movie would have d- 
definitely because right now the way you're explaining it is definitely changing my opinion and mm -hmm. honestly like i'm like visualizing all of like the history and everything mm -hmm. and it definitely you know he has definitely changed through that time mm -hmm. but the fact that they didn't show it in that movie i think that's what disappointed fans because the thing is they definitely changed our expectations for the movie mm -hmm. but they should have explained themselves a little more further as to i agree why they're agree. Sub subverting our expectations like, i think they could i don't know why it's doing that but i think it could i think they could have done that by removing the casino scenes and then kind of you know it's filling those in with maybe bits of exposition if but of course it has to feel organic i don't want it to be forced either i don't want them to just throw a, a flashback in there for the sake of like explanation you know I, I feel like it just like it had again taking out those the dumb casino stuff cut out a lot of things with rose and finn mm -hmm. maybe even take some of the stuff from uh from uh who's this guy uh oscar Isaac character yeah name. his mutiny was kind of dumb to be, yeah. to be yeah. honest. like i didn't i really didn't like <laughs> that was what i was gonna say like of course i didn't like was the freaking uh the mutiny why am i blanking on the name I didn't like the ship scenes where uh, with Leia and the yeah, whole I feel like the whole scenes was just dire. It's just like a complete like separate plot. Like it had nothing to do with the film. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just strange. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but you know, I think it could have definitely been told in a different light. Oh, although the scene where uh, what's her face? I, I forget her name, but the uh, the other general that's uh, that's, played, that's played by uh, what's her face, Laura. Um, I can't remember her name right now. It's blanking. But she, the one with the purple hair, when she yeah. she takes over the ship and then she fucking turns it and puts it into the, she warps it into the other ship and it's just silent, it's just a silent explosion. That was that was pretty cool. I gotta that be that's fantastic. That was a good sacrifice. That was very accurate to the way that would happen if it was yep. realistic. You know, there's no sound in space. There's no way for sound to carry. So that's how it would happen. And so, like, it was, it was so well done. But that's, to my opinion, that's the only payoff that we got from that, from those scenes. Mm -hmm. And it felt like, you know, it was good. It was very visually appealing, but I didn't feel satisfied story-wise. And so, you know, I just think like Poe didn't really learn much out of that. Like, I just felt like he was kind of being a dumb fuck. He's like, I am some random rebel pilot. I don't like how things are going on here. It's like, you're a soldier. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, yeah, and, I just think if they if they trimmed mm -hmm. that out. And then, like, cut the stuff from the casino stuff all together. Right. Just put more focus on Luke and Ray's relationship. I think Star Wars fans would have been a lot more... I wouldn't say they would, like, agree on it, but at least they would soften up to it instead of just this abrupt mm -hmm. characterization of Luke Skywalker where they weren't... Because fans' perspective, they always used to him like, oh, the nice, the good-hearted Jedi. Right. Whereas it had and I think, I think maybe the, the story could benefit from maybe, like, a miniseries or something exploring that, that part of his life. Um you know, just like a limited series, just one season, like six episodes, just going through each episode's maybe like a, like, uh, you know, what? like each episode's like maybe like a, a couple years in his life, you know, so it just goes through, through his life just to kind of show you how he got to that point. And I think that could justify The Last Jedi and, and make it better for some people. Um, make a prequel series with comedy. Yeah, no. And you can tell, by the way, like what I was saying before, you th there's subtle elements that they put in the movie to tell you that this is what happened to him. Because, for example, he holds a text sacred. Even though he's like, I'm not a Jedi anymore, I don't do that anymore. For whatever reason, he still looks at the Jedi text as the sacred piece of, of story. Because it's his only guidance. You have to realize, since he doesn't have anybody anymore, those texts are the only thing he has to really go to for guidance. So it's like his comfort, you know? 
It's it's his comfort zone. It's his little box. He doesn't like to go outside of that. And, you know, and also he's reverted back to the way that Yoda thought, you know, the way that the Jedi used to think. He's like, oh, this is, it's black and white. This is how it is. Because it's the safest option. It's the safest option for him to go with. He, he sh If he decides to develop a new technique or a new opinion, then, you know, he's, if anything goes wrong with it, he's immediately at fault for it. Whereas he, if he stays basically to a T to the way that the Jedi used to run, then, um, then he, he can't necessarily, I mean, obviously he can be blamed for it, but it still goes back to the Jedi, not directly to him. So he stayed that way. But then that's when the scene where Yoda appears and he burns the Jedi texts. You know, he shoots them with lightning and, Je and Luke's like, what the fuck is, what are you doing? And Yoda's like, well, I'm doing what, you know, it, those aren't, you shouldn't be using those to rely on your own self-instant. You are, you are Luke Skywalker. You should be able to, we don't need them. They're not necessary. And honestly, they're kind of wrong. So, you know, it's also Yoda kind of realizing in his force ghost state, I guess. I guess when you become a force ghost, you become more enlightened. I don't know. But he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, you don't, you don't need that. It's not necessary. You know, it's him kind of, it's a switch. Because in, in Return of the Jedi, Yoda was the one like, stay the same. And Luke would disobeyed and didn't. And he reformed his dad. And so in The Last Jedi, it's Yoda changing and telling him to, to stop being a miserable sap. And it's Luke trying to maintain the, uh, the way that things were. So it's, it's a nice little... So I like how they did that. That was a way... That was, again, a subtle way of Ryan Johnson telling you that Luke is a shell of what he used to be, but now he's going back to what he was. And that's why you see him fight Kylo at the end. And it's even though it's not a real physical fight, it's still fucking cool. And, uh, oh, dude, it's just... It's so... Uh, to me, at least, I think that part was well done. I like Luke's story, but that's why I like it. You know? I, I'm okay with the subtle little story beats. I don't need the whole like mini series, but it would be cool to see it. I don't personally deny that. But yeah, that that wraps up. I think the last Jedi for uh, for us. Oh, and one last question before we close. It actually kind of roots into what we were just talking about, and it's for you, Brandon. Would you ever do a controversial film? Like, would you ever cover a controversial topic and try and your best to, to tell that story? Um, well, I feel like I kind of am with the whole um, story of, like, I think the movie I told you about, the romantic comedy, right. the girl being abused. I don't think that's ever been portrayed in a movie. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's been moments in films where they have shown that side, but I'm going to make it very adamant in the film that that's a mm -hmm. part of what the story is and i think um i think it's going to be controversial because um i'm trying my best to um show that people have their own scars and um through those scars of course people can find a way to heal and i think not a lot of people do that in a story so i want to be able to you know i want to be the first to kind of do that in a movie where you know People, you know, start off with their scars and it gets changed. Like, I'm not going to spoil much, but I'm just going to say, like, it's definitely going to have, you know, the character is definitely not going to, I don't know how to describe it in a way I won't spoil it. So I'll just have you guys just see it in the future. But yeah. All right. I mean, that's fair. Albert, I think, have you, I'm, I'm actually curious now that I have you, Albert, before we go. Um, have you ever thought about directing a picture? 
I've thought of directing a couple pictures before, actually. Dude, we just reverted to like the golden age of Hollywood. We called it pictures. Have how many pictures have you made? Many pictures. Suck my dick, and you'll get it. I'll put you in a picture. Yeah, it is. It's moving pictures, literally. Watch Hollywood on Netflix, by the way. It's a series. So fucking good. It's literally about just, I guess, it's literally just about sucking dick to be in movies in the 40s. It's amazing. Watch it. But anyhow, go back to what you were saying, Albert. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've had ideas to do make movies. Like, I've had the idea to direct, you know. It's never been up against it, Yeah. you know. I know I've never been to directing school, but of course, like you don't really need a school to go and direct a movie. You just need the experience and the overall knowledge to make a film. Mm -hmm. That's the overall. So I've always kept in my mind that I could maybe like one day I could direct something that I own because I've oh, been in projects before. Right. The only the only project I've ever I I only like doing original uh, projects and stories. But if there's ever one um, character that I would want to adapt, it's my boy up here. Which I don't know if you can see him right there. My good old boy right there. I love him, man. You know, I, honestly, the show is the only reason I'm still alive. Uh, <laughs> so once once the show premieres, you know, if it's good, I'll be like, great. Hopefully, there's a season two. If it's bad, I'm killing myself. So um, just an FYI. Honestly, depending on the casting, I might kill myself. Like, if they're like, <laughs> Jessica Biel is playing a female version of Moon Knight, that's it. I'm fucking bullet in the head. You'll never hear from me ever again. Um, the end of Joseph. Yes, that's, that's, that's it for me. Or like, Dave Franco's playing Moon Knight. Like, no. <laughs> Why? I can barely stomach him throughout the disaster artist. It's like, he's just he's like, I'm a Jew. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that. Um, anyhow, guys, we'll close it on, on, you know, the Moon Knight suicide. Um, <laughs> it was good talking to you guys. I haven't talked to you, Brandon, in a while, so it's nice to have you on the podcast. Nice to be able to discuss everything that we've, we had going on. Uh, Brandon, is there anything you want to plug before we head off? Um, well, I'm just basically working on the Spider-Man movie that will be released in December. And um, hopefully I'll start production of Spider-Man 3, hopefully soon when this quarantine ends. And I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be pretty long. It's going to be chopped up into three parts, and it's going to be crazy. Cool. And you want to uh, give out your social media for anybody to follow you? Yes. Uh, thank you. Um, my social media, well, my Instagram is Brandon Medina 1995 And then my YouTube channel is Brandon Medina Productions. Excellent. All right, guys. It's been nice talking to you.